0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. I'm Ken
1: Crowther and this week my special guest is Christine Lavelle from Rittle University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from figs to aces.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. Every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex.
1: At this part of the podcast, we give you a few ideas on some of the things that you could be getting on with in the garden. Christine Lavelle, my guest this week. Christine, what you got up first for us?
2: Uh, well, something that we're doing at Bristol College at the moment is we're taking semi-ripe cuttings. Right. That's cuttings that you take at the end of the summer where you've got a soft tip and it's starting to harden off at the base. So you could do these for a number of your plants in the garden. We do them for our tropical bedding that we have at the front of the college
1: I'm going to stop you there. Your tropical bed, fantastic. Do Do you you like it? I took pictures and put it on Twitter even because I thought they were absolutely superb. Yeah.
2: And we've had people writing into the college about how wonderful it is. You should do it
1: again, you know, it's gorgeous. Well, we're
2: going to. That bed's coming out because we're going to put a permanent planting of a Mediterranean garden to mirror the other side of the road. And then round the gates of the old main entrance we're going to create some beds to put it there because it's just been such a talking point throughout Great. the year. Anyway yeah. sorry I stopped you with your, okay. your
1: cuttings didn't I but yeah. no fantastic bed.
2: So uh, we're going to take uh, cuttings of the perennial plants that are in there like the salvias like the fuchsias but they're tender they won't stand the winter so we're going to take some cuttings uh, of these but then also throughout the garden we were doing some box cuttings the other day there mm. uh, we did some last minute budlier cuttings. Some of the filling phyllo- Delphus, uh, which is your mock orange, they're starting to sort of colour up for the autumn. So it's a bit late for them. Maybe I do the hardwood cutting later on. But certainly for a lot of your shrubs and a lot of your tropical bedding plants, it's a good time to take your cuttings. And is
1: it easy to take those? What do you have to do?
2: Oh, well, you take it about 10 to 15 centimetres long. I like doing mine a bit shorter, about mm-hmm. 10 centimetres. So get a ruler,
3: mm-hmm.
2: remove a nice uh, shoot that's non flowering um and it's got you know healthy leaves pest and disease free And then when you prepare it, cut it underneath where a leaf is, because that's where it's more likely to root, underneath there. And then just pinch the top out. So your finished cutting is about 10 centimetres long. If you've got some rooting hormone powder, um, dip it in there. If not, go along to the garden centre, get some, Mm. and then just dip it in there and then put it in a seed seed and cutting mix.
1: And you put them in a pot or whatever. Just in a pot, a
2: nice shallow pot would be good, yep. And then what you could do is put a couple of little pencils, a couple of little sticks in a pot, Theme bag over the top just to keep that moisture in there.
1: Yeah, that's a simple one. Now talking of you know you saying that that border is finishing, well finishing yes because yeah. winter is arriving
0: It it's is sadly few,
1: few cold nights and we'll be getting frosts very soon which means that the bedding will be going over. Now some bedding looks really good and I'm not keen on taking it out until it's gone yeah. but when it is gone one of the things I used to do actually is yeah. dig my bedding plants in as a green manure. Oh, did you? Yeah, I used to uh-huh. form a trench at one end and then just dig yeah. it straight into the ground. So, you know, your marigolds, your forget yeah. me nots, not your forget me nots because they're spring, but all your bedding you can just dig in yeah. and then you just plant your new bedding and bulbs on the top. It's not difficult. So, that's one way of doing it. Yeah. If not, take them out and make a good com- put it on the compost heap. And then prepare your ground really well, and then you can get on with your autumn planting. You know, you've got all your bulbs you can go to the garden centre and have a look at. And then you've got your violas, your pansies, your mysotis, everything. Just make a display ready for spring.
2: That's fantastic. Well, I've got another tip. Mm -hmm. Um, This time I'm going to turn to the lawn. Um, You should really be thinking about... Preparing your lawn for, for the winter now so raise that height of cutting your lawnmower just a, a little bit so you so your lawn your grass will um, go over the winter at slightly a higher height than it would be when you were cutting it in the summertime. Um, and then you know, do your edges, just finish it off for the winter.
1: Because yeah, and it helps it to grow, doesn't it? If you don't cut it too low, something about the because the basal root, the uh, basal shoots, isn't it? That you mustn't cut out. Is that right? Yeah, is that and why you don't more, cut it so but low.
2: It's, but it's more likely to get frosted and and so on if you you know if you cut it too low. And it, it, as you say, it is better for the growth.
1: And talking of lawns, get an autumn lawn food. Now I know it costs money, and I know you'll say, "Ah, oh, but it doesn't make any difference." Yes, it does. It does. It's high in potash, and it makes the roots grow, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Well, it makes it's it's like giving it cod liver oil. Yeah. It's a it's a tonic to harden off the cells. So when the frost comes, your grass plant, if it's had this tonic. Gets through the winter better, and the cells you have less cell death, and so therefore your grass looks better in the springtime, and it looks greener as well. Actually, in the
1: winter, yeah. And don't forget, it's also a good time if you've got weeds, particularly perennial, you know, weeds in the lawn it's not a bad time to go around with a liquid weed killer. You can either spot weed them, things like dandelions and things like that. You can spot weed. So use a liquid lawn weed killer. No other weed killer. It's got to be a liquid lawn weed killer. So that's just another tip on lawns. Have you got one last tip at all?
2: Uh, one last tip. Well, normally at this time of year, we would be preparing the ground for planting our trees and shrubs. Yeah. But Ken, it's so dry. It is, isn't it? It's so dry out there. So I would um, that would be the job I would be doing at the moment. So as soon as it rains and we get a little bit more rain, that's mm. what I was start to do. But don't do it at the moment because about four years ago, four or five years ago, we had a really dry spell at this time. And I went to do a demonstration in front of the students at Russell College of digging an area. And it was really hard, the ground. Um, the spade hit the ground the shock ricocheted up my arm and my shoulder was sore for about six months and I thought I'm never ever doing it you know, again when the ground's too dry so prepare the soil for planting but wait for a little rain that's my top tip for this month
1: They are, so go on, get out in your garden but only get out in the garden if you enjoy it, because
2: if not it's not worth doing gardening is it? No, it's a chore then isn't it? It's
1: a chore if you don't enjoy it so come on, enjoy your garden
0: the BBC Essex Gardening Hour every Saturday from eleven. BBC Essex.
1: Coming up next, Christine and myself will be answering your gardening questions, and we'll be starting with Linda in Hadley about her canna lilies.
4: Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Christine.
2: Morning. What um, would
4: you? Yeah, I'm, I'm new to growing canna
1: lilies.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You've been helping me all through the summer, and my it's coming along really nice. But I don't know how to overwinter it.
1: Right. Is it what we want to know is is it in a pot?
4: Yes, I've kept it in a pot. Okay. Oh that's, and that's and it's better in a pot, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Um, it makes
1: life
4: easier. Yeah, well it?
2: we're just going to be digging them out the front of Bristol College where we've had them uh, for the summer and we, we'd have to dig them out of the ground and then put them in a pot to overwinter them. So if yours is already in a pot, well that's good. you're halfway there already. What you need to do is you need to uh, it's outside Can in I put a it pot in the garage? Uh, well, a garage isn't ideal because there's oh. not uh, there's not really enough light and so on in there. But you could probably I've get got away a bit with light it in there. I've got a bit of a pers- perspex roof in it. Oh well, that could, that could be okay. Yeah, That'd be fine. Yeah. So what do you have to
1: do to it if it's in a pot? What do you have to do to it?
2: You've just got to really dry it out as well. Keep it quite dry and only water it if it gets really particularly uh, extremely dry. You know, and just only do it sparingly then. Just and take it over. Yeah and as it dries out the 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 actual uh, foliage will start to die down from the top so you take that off um as it dies down so you don't have any sort Cuz the
1: goodness will go back into the yeah, tuber wouldn't it Yeah bit
2: like your bulb bit like a daffodil bulb it's um your leaves start to go yellow and then just cut them off after all your stems have gone brown and then just keep it dry keep it frost free over the winter and then round about march time yeah. you could repot it um, and then start to water it a bit, uh, a bit more at that particular time and then you would actually put it back outside by the end of May.
4: Well right. I never got any flowers on it this year but I really wasn't expecting it because it was just like a little piece of uh, ginger.
1: Oh well you will then next year?
4: Yes that's what i should next year. for greater things.
1: Did you have another question <laughs> yes, I think? Um, I've
4: got a couple of little lemon trees that I grow.
1: Oh right are um, they indoors?
4: Well they're outdoors at the moment. Yep okay but last year, when I bought them in, they almost dripped this clear, sticky stuff.
1: I think I think they can lemons. I mean, you grew them from a pip, did you? Yes. Yeah. So you'd be very lucky to get lemons from them. But they're a nice-looking plant. Yeah. They do drip. They excrete off the ends of the leaf, don't they?
4: Yeah. It it, it was it was a nightmare.
1: Yeah. It <laughs> is dripping. Paper underneath. Yeah. No. Hang on, they were dripping. It wasn't just that the leaf was sticky; they were actually dripping drops of stuff. Oh yes. Right. Okay. That's all right. They were doing that because if it just goes sticky, it would be insects. But if it's no,
4: because what I usually do is before, because I haven't had any um, lemons or anything on them, so before I bring them in, I give them a quick buzz of. Um, uh,
1: Bug clear. Oh, right. OK. Now, you're doing all the right things. I think you just... Have, it's something that lemons can do, so I think oh. you just have to put up oh, with it. It's,
4: uh, that's all right. As long as i no,
1: wrong. No, nothing wrong with them. And pinch the tops out and try and make it bush next spring. All okay, right?
4: OK, thank you very much for your help.
1: That's Linda in Hadley, who's given us a call on 0300 200 40 41. And we now go to Pam in Leon C. Hello, Pam. Hello. Good morning
5: to you both. Um, I'd like advice, please, about hard pruning a couple of large shrubs. One is a viburnum and the other is a pyrocancer. Now, they're both about seven foot tall and height-wise we do prune them every year, but it's depth-wise now. They're coming out too far from the fence. So we want to prune them back quite hard. And obviously, at the moment, the viburnum's in flower and the pyracanthas full of berries. So, the, so the, I wanted
2: the, to ask the best time to do it. So, so the viburnum
1: so what, is an evergreen, is it? Yes. So yeah, it'll be tynus, yeah, it? It's, viburnum
2: yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Really, if you hard prune an evergreen, you should never, ever do it at this time of year. You always um, hard prune evergreens in April. And the reason for that is if you if you prune them now, all that growth that they've put on over the summer, all the green leaves that are on the outside of the plant is hardened been hardened off by the sun. And then if you remove that, all the growth below that is nice and it's got nice soft tissue. And then if the frosts come around in the winter time, it will really damage that tissue there. So what you need to do is you need to really wait till about April time. Otherwise you could severely affect the health of your plant.
5: Right. And does that apply to the pyrocanther as well then? Pyracantha is yeah,
2: different. It's
1: yeah, yeah, similar. Ken? Yeah, it's similar. Pyracantha I class as an evergreen. I would yeah. do it then as well. I mean, a lot of people it's do it. It's a bit them,
2: hardier though. It could
1: it, do them after flowering, so yeah. you can see where the flower is, so you can keep it. But if if it's a problem, yes, do it in April. Cut it hard back. Okay. How old? How old are they? Oh, they're
5: both very mature shrubs, probably. Twenty years, or so. right?
1: As long yeah. as you leave on the cancer there is some slight risk at um, death, but that's only if you cut the whole thing down. If you're leaving some against the fence, that's fine. Mm.
5: Yeah, right. Okay, thank you very much. Then okay,
1: thank you. our pruning hard shrubs, and now we go to Jean in Chelmsford. Who's? Um, are you still eating your raspberries? Your autumn fruiting raspberries? Are you, Jean?
6: Uh, one or two. I was just eating them this morning. As I was, I've <laughs> cut them down now.
1: Yeah, I went cut. to somebody's garden this week to have a look round. I must agree. I picked a couple off their canes as well <laughs> while I was walking past. Um, so, so what? What would you like to know about your autumn fruiting yeah, raspberries? Well,
6: having now cut them down, can I put? Uh, a horse manure mulch on it for the winter to hopefully let the worms take that in, or is that not going to have any effect?
1: What would you do, Chris? I think it's too strong to put round there, uh, not it?
2: Yeah, and I think it might be a bit too, uh, As long as it's really, really well broken down, actually, really when you're up and fruiting raspberries, you, the best time to cut them down is the, the springtime rather than do them straight <laughs> after. So the best time, next time you do them, do them in the springtime, mm. and then if you do uh, put a mulch round there, it's probably better with maybe 50% Compost, fifty percent manure mixed in. Sometimes might be too strong. Yeah, it? it can be too strong.
1: And don't put it on the actual shoots at all because it will burn them.
2: Yeah.
6: Well, well, it, it's not fresh. I, I've had it a couple of months, so it's not fresh. No. Is, that it, is it still too strong? Well, Six
1: months is this, usually yeah, um, at least
6: yeah.
1: So it's a bit fresh.
6: Oh, right, it's still too fresh, so I need to store it a bit longer then. You got, I'd you... store it over the
2: winter, because yeah. that would then take it down to about six months. Mm. Store it in a pile over the winter, keep turning it to help break it down, and then apply mm. it in the spring.
6: Yeah, I've got it in bags at the moment from where I, I collected it. it. And But the trouble is, something is attacking the bags. and cutting them. I don't know whether it's a fox or something, but tearing the bags open. Fox.
1: fox, yeah, fox. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a compost heap? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I was going to say, could you mix it in with compost quite well? Um, Sounds like just put it somewhere where it's not a nuisance and if the fox breaks it down, they break it down and, you know, you'll have to run with it, I think.
6: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's June in Chelmsford. 0300 200 40 41. Come on, let's. Can we have some success stories? Come on. 0300 200 That's the number to call. Um, and you can send us a message straight to the studio on 0300 200 41. Pop Essex on the front and we'll go through those as well. That's 0300 200 41. And we go down to Ingertston now. <laughs> Down the A12 from here, isn't it? A eh? to talk to you, Anne.
7: <laughs> Hello, morning, Ken and Christine. What are we talking morning. about? What
1: we talking about today?
7: Um, we, I have a really vigorous uh, fig, a mm-hmm. shrub, and it's trying to be a tree, but I'm I'm keeping it down. Unfortunately, yep. it's not room. But at the moment, every branch is absolutely covered in little figs. There must yep. be at least a hundred on there. Yep. Do I leave them on,
2: or they- do I take them off?
1: It's, only yeah. the bit, it's always the size that's important. Yeah, what you your can... is nature, actually, nature will sort its out, won't it? Yeah, nature,
2: it? it'll drop, most of them will drop off, but you can actually oh, yeah. remove yeah. some of them and uh, you know, to thin them out yourself as well.
6: Yes, yes.
1: What okay. happens is, you, you're aware, if you've had figs for some time, you're aware, and anyone else listening, that a small fig, they take two years to ripen. So your small fig is produced in one year and yeah. ripens in the second year. Yeah,
7: right. Okay. And they're
1: usually the size of your fingernail. We reckon, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. will be the ones that will survive quite well through the winter. If they're much bigger, if they're the size of a, I've nearly said a penny, but the pennies are small now, um, (laughs) let's think of something. Um, Yes, yes, if they're the size of a 2p, they won't survive the winter. All
7: right, most of them are that. We had loads, we have had loads, we've done very well this
1: year. And they've ripened up nicely. Is it a brown fig? Yes.
7: Yes, yes, uh, you have to be quick to pick them because they go very quickly if you don't.
1: Uh, what do you mean they go off very quickly?
7: Yes, uh, as soon as they start to sort of go down, I take them off and yep. they're really ripe. They're beautiful, beautiful. they are be really go- good. Do you, you just yeah.
1: peel, peel them back and eat them raw?
7: Oh, yes, yeah. I love figs.
1: Uh, they are a favourite of mine as well. And you can, <laughs> When you buy them, they, they haven't got that flavour, have they, either? No, no,
7: no, no they're just delicious. Uh, And my other question is, I have a stellata, which was a tiny shrub when I put it in and now it's gone crazy. It's a beautiful shape. Mm -hmm. And when I've looked up any instructions to prune it down a bit so we can see a little bit more of the garden, it says not to. Is that
2: how it has to be is that a magnolia stellata? yes yeah uh no you you just leave it you don't prune it at all the only reason that you would prune it is if it got a bit out of shape on Mm. one side or a bit lopsided that you'd sort of uh, prune it but no you've got to leave it unfortunately otherwise you'll really spoil the the shape and the look of it it's beautiful
7: right okay thank you very much for all your advice that's all Thank right. That's Anne
1: from Ingerson. Pat from Stock. What would you like to talk about today, Pat?
7: Yes.
4: Good morning to you, both. Thank you for ringing. Um, yes, I've just I received yesterday um, two dwarf patio lavateras, um, which were advertised. I think they're Thompson and Morgan, and um, I've just I have repotted them into larger pots, obviously. But I'm just wondering where to keep them during the winter. Do I? I mean, I've got a conservatory. Shall I keep them in there until I can plant them out? When I mean, they're fairly hardy, I know, but
1: they're still very young. It's difficult when you get plants this time of the year, isn't it? Because they've come. Have yeah. they just turned up in a polythene bag, sort of thing, have they? Yes,
4: in, in, a, in um, little, little pots themselves.
1: I mean, they're about six inches high. They'd be, what do you think, Christine? Because they could be all right outside so what, in what's a sheltered li- Yeah, one, it's that a, that one about a one litre pot,
2: isn't it? This should be fine. Yeah. Outside.
1: Really, yeah,
4: I yeah. might be too, you know, in the winter when it gets too cold. I mean, I know they can, they're dwarf ones for. Containers, but I don't are you going to are
1: space. you going to put them in a larger container?
4: I, I will. Yeah, they're in a bigger pot at the moment, but only a small one, obviously, because they came in a very tiny pot. Um, but I will put them in one of the garden pots next year. Well, when they eventually go into the garden.
2: But I just
1: so, want to well, know. the only danger with them in a small pot, isn't it Christine, they, they, they could dry out, couldn't they? Which yeah, might during do in the winter. A, the winter. The thing is that I'm La- La- a La- a La- plant them up
2: yeah they they at the moment, I
4: 'd obviously keep an eye on them and make sure they didn 't dry out
2: well 're hardy plants, so as long as they 're hardened off before they come to you, you can leave them outside. The only thing about having them in a pot is they 're more susceptible to frost damage because the frost can get in and around yeah, the pot. Yeah. Um, so if you have a conservatory, um, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't do them any harm to be in the conservatory over the winter and then put them out in the springtime. Any plant that's in a pot would fare better in a conservatory than being outside really. But um, it, it depends on how much room you've got. I would say they'd be fine outside, but if you want to put them inside just to make sure there's no harm done with that yeah. either
4: it seems seems such a shame to put them outside straight away until they have got a bit more growth in them Um, and presumably I won't need to cut them down next year it says in the advertisement that they can be cut right back
2: yeah they can do I'd just tip them wouldn't you I would just tip them myself in that first year Yeah.
4: right that's lovely thank you very much indeed Okay. thank you
1: O th- o 0300 200 40 41. Now, did, do you know we get letters as well here? Do you know, have right you right got, you have well, this got a, is letter. a letter and a packet? But don't forget, we got a line free at the moment on o 0300 200 40 41. Uh, 8133. Start your message with uh, Essex and we can deal with that just as Roger has just dropped one in about Gladioli, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Have you grown gladioli? Do you know, I used to love gladioli. Yeah. You know, people don't plant them much today, do they? Yeah. I know I've gone off at a complete tangent. No, no. from No, from no. The... We
2: had a gladioli border at Levens Hall when I worked there. That really? was my first job after I left college. I think
1: they're fantastic, especially yeah. those really large ones. It that... was the
2: large ones that we had. They oh, were gorgeous. I
1: stand up so gracefully and they're really well. They're a bit
2: well. of hard work, though, because we had to lift them every year and then put them back in, obviously, uh, in the you know, beginning of the summer each year. but well worth it. But Ken's got his letter here. I've got here. my letter here. Yeah. Don't
1: forget that number to call. We've got a line free on 0300 200 40 41. Let's talk gardening. Uh This is from Mrs, Mrs L Peacock. Uh, Lorraine. Lorraine. That's much nicer. Lorraine is from just up the road in Chompsford and she says... uh my aunt and her late husband planted an apple tree in her garden in Shotgate in the 50s. Aunt says she collected the apples when they had fallen from the tree. The apples vary in colour. And what she wants to know is, and I'm going to show show you these, because they they're do. they off the same tree, and one is quite anemic, and one is redder. And she's saying, is there a problem because they're anemic? And I would say, no, there's nothing wrong with that. has been exposed to more sun. Yeah,
2: absolutely, it? yeah. It's just a uh, the redder areas are... Will be in the, the the patches where the sun is at, at its brightest. Um, some some apples come up. I mean, Discovery comes up that colour, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I buy lots of apples that colour. I quite like them. And they're sort of pale,
1: yeah, creamy white with red stripes in. So yeah, flecks of red. There's nothing wrong with that, is it? No, no. So so I wouldn't worry. Is it a lack of nutrient? No, you can feed trees. And shall I tell you my? How do you feed fruit trees? Because it's quite difficult, isn't it?
2: I haven't done it for You've years. You've never no, done I, ha- I, I, yeah, um, I did yes. it when I was training. Training, I did it. We did it with a, with a national trust. And what we did, we got um, a general, I think it was fish, blood and bone, or yep. blood fish, yeah. Yep. yeah. And then we actually had uh, drilled holes in the ground. That's it, uh, drive me. a hole down. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, intervals right about around the Metre succumb- intervals all the way yeah. around. Not near the trunk, no. because it, the, the roots there don't take up the fertiliser, but just a little bit, maybe maybe about a metre or so away. And then we did them at intervals, probably about 50, 50 yeah. centimetres apart. Something like that. Yeah, and we drilled down, and then we filled it up with a... A mixture of soil and fertiliser into the holes that we bored out and then we did that I think we did that in the spring and then obviously the grounds moist and then the plants actively take up the the fertiliser during that time I wouldn't do it this time of year because if you put it in the roots aren't actively growing and the fertiliser can get washed away into the water table yeah. it could be bad for the water courses so
1: do it in the spring so that is a method that you could use it wants to know how you get Apple's identified. Some people are very good at it. On Apple Day, that's coming up this yeah. month, you uh-huh. could go along to an orchard uh, like coats isn't it, up at Chelmsford, and see if they know. But if not, you have to send them to the Royal Horticultural Society, don't you?
2: Yeah, you can. Say, if you're a member of the RHS, you can send specimens in to be identified. And as far as I'm aware, it's at no extra cost. But if you're not a member, you would have to pay for it, and that could be a specimen of a plant or an apple. Um, so that's what I'd recommend for that
1: are. Thank you for your letter, it is nice to get stuff through the post I used to get bags of stuff through the post but yeah. not, not anymore, times have changed and it all comes through on the phone and different places, but anyway let's uh, let's now talk to uh, talk to Michael who's come through on the phone on 0300 200 40 41 that's the number to call, Michael what you got Hello. for us? Hello
8: yeah, I'm, uh, it's a long problem really yeah? um, I've got a, this the lawn has been deteriorating over the last year. It's getting, like, uh, goes, like, thatch all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you dig any part of the lawn up, it's like all the soil is white and powdery underneath.
1: Right. What do you
8: think it's treated with.
1: Right. Is it a new lawn or is it a very old lawn? No, it's
8: a well-established lawn.
1: Well-established lawn. Yeah. Is it... Uh, how old? I mean, I know this sounds stupid, but is it, like, in excess of 50 years? Mm,
8: no.
1: Younger? Is it on a new housing estate or not?
8: Uh, no, it's been. In, it's, I've, I've been here about twenty years. Yeah.
1: You see, what it's mycelium, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I was going to say it's 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 a mycelium. Fungal. Yeah. It's, it's...
1: Which shouldn't, I'm saying, shouldn't be a problem, should it? Is it a dryness underneath? Is it dry?
8: Um, yeah, it's quite dry, and it's just well, all white you... and powdery. Yeah, and if you've you got. You
2: if you've got excess thatch, and just to, to say what thatch is for those who, who don't know, it's a build-up of dead and decaying sort of organic matter from grass clippings and bits and pieces of leaves that are, that are on the lawn, and they fall in between the grass, and then if they're not removed, uh, they, they build up, and it's called thatch. So you want to remove the thatch is you know on a regular basis, at least twice a year in the autumn and in the spring. And you can do this by using a springbok rake. Do you do that?
8: Um, yeah, i tried that last year. I really try, uh, tried to do it because of the problem. Yeah, oh.
2: and how much did you get removed from that? Uh,
8: quite
2: a lot. Yeah. yeah, but you see, the thing is that thatch and your dead and decaying organic matter are basically a symptom of something else that's going on in your lawn. If it, you've got a really big build-up, it means that you haven't got good drainage because if you've right. got bad drainage, it doesn't break down very quickly. So you need to spike your lawn. You need to hollow yep. tine or you need to solid tine
1: you with a fork. Yep. You can hire those. Or you can hire those from higher it, shops. Yeah. And you then, can also, just out of interest, you said you used a rake, but you can also um, hire scarifiers as well you from can. hire shops. So that's a thought.
2: Yeah. And then once you hollow-tine it or you solid-spike it with a fork, then you need to top-dress it. And you need to top-dress it by using a really sandy uh, mixture. You can get various ones, but a sandy mixture would be great. You can actually buy it in bags or you can yep. make it up yourself. Long-dressing. And then you uh, apply that in bags. Uh, uh, to to your lawn and then you brush it in either with a brush or the back of a rake and it falls down the holes that you've made and it improves the drainage and if you improve the drainage you'll get less thatch if you if you improve the um the amount of thatch that's in there by reducing it then you'll get less fungus
1: but i think your fungal underneath is just a mycelium it's rotting down that old material i personally yeah. don't think you've got anything to worry about that
2: no i don't right.
1: thank OK, Michael, um, that's Michael from Benfleet. Give us a call now on 0300-200-4041. 40 um, Robert from Highroading. Hello, Robert.
8: Good morning. Hello.
1: What can we do for you um, today?
8: Right. Uh, i got canna lilies and yes. i got calla lilies. Right. right. First um, of all, could you tell me which is the white ones? Are they callas or cannas?
1: Calla. <laughs> calla. But also, just to to confuse you, (laughs) there are softer and less hardy varieties of cala, which are pink and yellow.
2: Yeah.
8: Right. Now, I've also got those.
1: Right. They're not hardy at all.
8: Right. Yes. I want to know what to do with those now that the leaves have all died off and they're yellow. Now, do I keep them indoors or do I keep them in the garage or the shed or leave them out? and cover them with something that's all really i'm trying to find out actually.
1: are you talking about your color canna... we're talking are we a
8: canna oh i'm talking about the colored ones
1: by oh, the cannas? Right, but remember hang on you've got calla lilies that are grown mainly as houseplants which are grown yellow and pink but they're actually right. the same family as the white one Okay. Now all they right. the, the the coloured ones are very soft indeed. You very rarely yeah. it's difficult to get them through a winter, isn't it? Well go, they're yeah. not going to move on to canner because canners are different again. Do you see? Yeah, it's, okay. So colours, we got the white ones, they're not hundred percent hardy any of them oh, are no, they? They're not, where no. would you so where would you try and keep them all? All the colour lilies, do you think?
2: The callers, I keep them indoors. I keep them in um, in not a real tropical area, but make sure that you keep it above uh, sort of frost-free, but a bit more that maybe about ten to twelve degrees centigrade minimum. Reduce really. the watering again. Uh, reduce the watering over the over yeah over the, the the period, and then try and keep them in quite sort of light conditions as well.
1: Now canners, have you got any canners? Do you think, Robert?
8: I think I have. Now yes.
1: canners <laughs> have got a leaf that is more upright. And more like I yeah. say a banana leaf to give you an idea. Uprightish sort oh, of well, leaf. Like, okay. Have you got some of those?
8: Yes, I have. Yes. Well,
1: well, they're canners. Now, are they in the ground or in containers?
8: No, they're in large pots.
1: Right. So
2: we've. Yeah. We, we had a call earlier on from a, a lady who had a canner. And if it's in a pot, it's great because it, they're easy to move about then. So you need to put them into a protected area over the winter and you need to reduce the watering. And a bit like a bulb, like a daffodil, that um, after it's gone over, the leaves start to go yellow and you don't pull the leaves off when they're green because that's all the food going back into the bulb. Well, with the canna, you'll find that the foliage does exactly the same, that it starts going brown at the top and works its way down towards the base. And so don't remove the foliage until it's gone completely brown when you've got it under protection because that's the food going back into the base. It's got like a, a big, thick rhizome. At the bottom, and just make sure it's frost free during uh, the winter months, and then you can increase the water around about March time. All right,
8: okay, that's great. And uh, you feed them March time, or yeah, yeah, you once, can- they're
2: in, once they're in growth, yeah, uh, I'd start watering them in March, and then st- uh, just towards the end of March, start feeding them every two weeks.
1: And we move to Romford to talk to Kathleen. Kathleen,
9: good morning. Um, I've got Agapanthers in pots. Yeah. Um, I've got a lovely white one. Uh, Two years ago, I had 25 flowers on it. Last year, I had 17. This year, I've only had two. It's resting. I've also got a blue one. (laughs) It's gone on holiday. Yeah. Um, That hasn't bloomed at all.
1: Did it bloom last year, the blue one?
9: Uh, Yes, just two blooms.
1: And have you repotted, moved them, done anything with them? No. Right.
2: Because well, normally we, normally it's uh, they they won't really flower until they're pot bound. They really like to be quite restricted in the. Are they in, in the, the ground the or in the pots?
9: They are pot bound. That's yeah. what you want. I yeah. I had 25 plant, uh, flowers two years ago. Are they in a, Are they too cold? Are they down the side of the bungalow and are they getting a lot of wind?
3: Ah, well,
2: yeah, we've had that before, haven't we, Ken, Where someone's phoned in and they'd stop flowering. And one flowered and one didn't. We said, is one in more sun than the other? And one was in more sun. So the one that's in more sun than the others will flower. In fact, I've got a neighbour in Colchester and he was asking the same thing. And I said, Oh, the one that's in the the shade just down your side alleyway, that's hardly flowered because it needs enough sun. What happens with them? uh, with it is that the the sun actually helps to produce the flower buds and yes. if you haven't got enough sun you won't get as many flower buds
9: I shall move them round to the front of the garden yeah
2: full sun yeah. and then do
9: I, I, I cover them with fleece yeah in the winter uh-huh, that's good uh, and do I continue to water do I continue to feed
2: Oh, you, you just—I I wouldn't feed them during the winter months, but no. I'd make sure that any plant, no matter what it was, is watered during the winter. Most people forget to water the plants during the winter, you know, even if they were box balls and containers and so on. They all, they, need, water they all need to, all need to be watered unless it's frosty, and then
1: leave them alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we sorry to have kept John waiting a little while. You're talking about
3: cherry tree, is that right, John? Good morning, Christine and Ken. Morning. Yeah. Um. Yeah I've got a three or four year old cherry tree. I have a fe- it's freestanding, but I have a feeling it's one that was meant to go up against a wall right and it's about 12 foot high and it's got a circumference now of about oh I don't know six six feet, probably six, eight feet. and I don't really want it to get any bigger because partly because if it gets higher you can't get the fruit. Right. Uh, is there any way of pruning it, or should I not prune yes, it? Yes,
1: but not now. Ah, uh, it's, right. it's one of the. It's to protect your trees from fungal infection. Now you could say, loads of people say, "Oh, I always prune my cherry trees and my plum trees in winter." Loads of people do, don't they, yeah, Christine? they do. Yeah, they do. But it's wrong in theory because yeah. of fungal infection. So in fact, you do them after you pick the fruit. Ah, uh, right. Next year. Next year, for the yeah. sake for the sake of. Nine months, do it then, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know much about cherries myself personally, but, but, but they're with stone plums, fruits. It's yeah, the with same. the plums, it's yep. the same, yeah.
1: So, stoned fruits don't do till summer and watch you don't prune them too hard because then you'll get lots of soft new growth. Yeah, so take out limbs to complete limbs rather than just go chop, 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 chop across the oh, top. All right,
3: yeah, right thank you very much. All right, John, yeah, dude, get lo- you.
1: out of interest, do you get lots of cherries?
3: Uh, yes, but this one I've been on you two or three times. This suffers from a bug that gets onto the leaves, makes that's, them all curl up. That's blackfly, treatment. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But I've I've used bravado and stuff like that on it, which you can only use three times on cherries. Yeah, and it doesn't cure it. No, if, it,
2: if it's is it blackfly? Do you see yeah, well, you could yeah. use something a bit more uh, user friendly you for you yourself. You could use it all the time. You could use it? a soapy uh, insecticide on it.
1: And you could
8: use oh, that right. on a reg- regular basis. Yeah, and it won't
2: affect uh, you know the, in the terms of the root. chemical for you tasting them later on.
8: All right, right.
3: I didn't. I know that. Well, yeah, soapy insecticide. It, was it? It's na- washing up liquid. Do no, no,
1: no. no. no, because, no that's a detergent, which is yeah. very different.
10: Very right, different. Now
3: you say a soapy stuff. Though. Well, I've got liquid soap.
10: Liquid.
3: <laughs> what? How? House- comes in a in a tub, uh, five liter uh, tub.
1: Yeah, but is it soap you wash with? Yes. No. No. That's not what you want. What All you right. what? Let Let's take the soap out of the out of the in, the the thought and go and buy actually a natural. If you go to a garden centre and ask that you want a natural way of killing insects, they'll give you what There's several on the market of natural ways of doing it, and they contain a thing called soft soap. Yeah. All right.
2: One that yep. we used to use was one called Savona.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. there is Savannah. one called yeah. that. Yeah. I'll write
3: that down. OK. All right. Thank oh, you very much. That's a pleasure.
1: And let's move on now to uh, Julie from Whitney. Hello, Julie. Julie. Hello, Julie. Where's Julie talking gone?
8: talking
1: to me? I am. Are you Julie or not Julie? No,
5: I'm not. I'm Eileen. Oh, hello.
1: <laughs> you're, you're from Whitney, are you, or not? No,
5: I'm from South
1: Oh, Hello. <laughs> Oh, hello from South End then. I've moved. <laughs> yeah, you've moved. And you're asking... Um, off- question, yep.
5: question about clematis. Um,
1: clematis, I've, right.
5: Yeah, I've got four um, different ones, and I want to know if it's OK to move them once I prune them back in early spring.
2: Oh, it'll be fine to, to, to move them. In springtime's a really good time, either autumn... Uh, Or the springs a a good time to move them and just if it's a dryish spring, just make sure that you give it a good you know keep giving it a good water to help with the root establishment after you've moved them.
1: All right,
8: can I move them
2: now? You said autumn maybe. Could I move them now?
1: Not quite yet. It's a bit early, isn't it? It's a bit dry. The ground is dry. It's
2: really dry at the moment, actually. Uh, So we were actually doing a a podcast this morning, Ken and I, and we Mm. talked about planting. And normally, uh, a lot of your preparation for your planting starts now, but it's a bit too dry. Uh, to to move stuff and to actually dig at the moment, because if you have got your spade in the ground, it could ricochet and sort of give you muscle damage and so on at the moment. So I'd wait for a few more rains and then you could perhaps move it then. Okay, okay
5: I, can, I can move them now if I don't want to wait till the spring. Okay, that's lovely. Thanks very much.
2: Yeah, the, thank
1: you. Yeah, and uh, we're looking. We're going to go through some of those messages that you've sent in on oh three hundred two hundred uh, no eight one triple three. That's the number to call. And here's a reminder.
0: Ken Crowther. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.
1: Yes, 0300 200 40 41. That's the number to call. There's a line free at the moment on 0300 200 40 41. Get your calls in and we'll give you a call back. That's 0300 200 40 41. Now we were talking about gladioli earlier and... Uh, Oh, who is it? Roger. I did say I'd answer Roger, but we get, get round to Roger. He says, Gladiolo, um, I said le- I must have said, leave them in last year. Now, I, I differ in my opinions on leaving stuff in, because it depends on the winter, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But whoever was with me must have suggested le- leaving them in. I must agree, my dad and I used to leave them in over winter, even when we had hard winters and they seemed to go through all right. What, what do you honestly think, Christine? Because you were saying about growing Yeah, uh,
2: Well, I suppose it depends on what type of the, gla- the gladioli are in the first place but mm. we used to grow these really big large flowered ones and they are not hardy enough so we used to um to go through the winter so we used to lift them we used to dry them and store them and then replant them again um you know early summer for another summer uh, show but In another place we used to work where we had um, plants like that, we used to collect the bracken from the the hills over there. That that was in Scotland. (laughs) So we used to gather the bracken. And we used to put a mulch of bracken over the the surface Mm. and of fuchsias, of quite large flower fuchsias that weren't hardy up there. And then we used to take it off in the spring. And they were fine. So I think it's really it's a bit of trial and error, trial as you and error. say.
1: And obviously Roger was successful because he got flowers this year, which is what I would have warned him against, you see. Sometimes yeah. they don't flower on their second and third years, do they? That's another thing that yeah. gladioli do. They slow down on that because they're reproducing the bulb Underneath, aren't they? Or the corm, sorry. It's a corm, isn't it? (laughs) Better get it right. 300 That's the number to call. That's 300 Someone else asking about uh, gladiolis was Maureen. And she says, Could you repeat when you have to cut gladiolis down? Some of them are still in flower, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they're quite late flowering. So I'd actually uh, leave them for as long as you can do. And then some years it'll differ from others, but certainly you probably get them flowering to the end of October.
1: So you can get them flowering yeah. right through, just yeah. like dahlias, just really. Just like
2: dahlias, yeah.
1: So don't don't worry too much about those, yeah. Um, right, we have got another one here. Laura from Great Lee says her mother-in-law bought an olive tree, um, but they don't seem to be growing. I suppose it depends where she's got her olive trees, wouldn't it? I mean, they normally
2: they're grow, quite vigorous, don't vigorous they, quite yeah. Well. Yeah, they're quite vigorous to put on quite a lot of growth. Um, But they do need a sunny location They need a sunny location Not necessarily a high fertile um, compost that you put them in if they're in pots um, Or even if you put them in the ground But if you were going to put them in the ground You would prepare it like any other plant Where you would fork it over Add a little bit of organic matter You know just to increase the water holding capacity in the soil and so on And then I plant it up so perhaps if it's in the ground it hasn't been prepared well the soil and so therefore it's starved of um, nutrients and, Mm. um, and so on. And so that's why it hasn't put a lot of growth on. Or it's in the wrong position; that it's in the does, shade.
1: Does need sun. They do need yeah. sun yeah, and they warmth, really do. don't they? I mean, the yeah. Mediterranean. We've, yeah. you know, we can. I always get <clears throat> a bit um, annoyed because people, you know, think you can grow everything here that you can grow in the Mediterranean. But in fact, our our weather's are very different, aren't yeah. they? They really are. Yeah. They have crisper, cold winters, whereas we yeah. don't. We're inclined to get. Damp cold winters, aren't we?
2: Oh, absolutely. Mm. And if you ever see a Mediterranean garden over in this country, it is just a selection of plants that we're able to grow. There's so many that we can't grow.
1: That's right. Oh, 0300 200 40, 41, that's the number to call. And uh, is it Mrs. Chandler? You're yes, talking about is. an Acer Hi. tree. Hello there. What Hello. you got for us?
11: Well, I've got a big Acer tree as tall, well, taller than me. I'm five foot three, so it's got to be taller than that. It's quite a big one in the garden, beautiful it goes, beautiful red, starts going to red this time of year.
7: Yeah.
11: Um, but one of the branches, I'd say, that, that you could usually see on top of the tree, so I've followed it down, all the leaves have gone wrinkly and were the first ones to go red, and they've fallen off, and it's left like a bare, spindly branch. I'm wondering whether I need to chop it off or not, because it's so big. I don't want to do damage to a really expensive and beautiful tree, and it be forever, you know... Bald, I
2: suppose. Uh, I'm a bit stumped, really. Um, they shouldn't.
11: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, did it... it's really strange. It's just one branch.
2: Yeah, and it's
11: really now it's it's exposed all the little uh, stems and everything now, and all the the leaves on that specific branch have all crumbled and gone all wrinkly Dry. And they're still holding on for dear life. A lot of them have come off now. I mean, yeah. I,
2: I, I couldn't... That might, that might just be a response to, to stress because... Dry weather, because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because Ken and I have just been saying how dry it is. Uh, and actually, do you know, how, have you ever heard of um, limb drop on trees?
11: You know, I don't, I, I'm not the best. God. Yeah right. God, but I do but, listen to you every hey. to learn something. Yeah. What,
2: what
1: happens there is gone explain yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just like some trees are more susceptible to others so cedars um and some other conifers and chestnuts horse chestnuts are, are really noted for doing this and in really dry weather even if it starts to rain afterwards because of the stress the actual tree has stopped um a lot of the nutrients and the moisture going to particular branches and it so right. it reduces its size down where all the nutrients and water go to and so then you get this sudden limb drop where the branchy where the branch drops off and you know it can be sort of during the day or at any time even after the dry weather and I wonder if you know because it's been so dry that perhaps your limb on your Acer has sort of been affected in this way, and so therefore that's why it's gone a little bit crispier. And it's then really it's dropped, it's
11: just in the middle of the tray. But what I would recommend
2: is- you that you do is that you actually just get like a, a knife and then yep. just scrape if you scrape the, the bark of it, and then mm-hmm. underneath it, it will either be brown or it will be green. And if it's green, it means that your branch is alive. Yeah, and if it's brown, that would be dead, and then you would remove it. And, and
11: I'm then what? Okay, to remove that, aren't I? Yeah, yeah if if it's, no, if it's don't. dead.
2: Don't jump and remove
1: it. Yeah. Check it first. Yeah, you've I'm
11: got. To... To... I've got the knife in my hand. Oh, <laughs> I see. You You're doing? ahead
6: of us. You're <laughs> ahead of <laughs> us.
2: <laughs> but I would just—I just think it might be a reaction to the to the dry weather. So I would hold—I would hold on really. If it's uh, if it's green, absolutely hold on, and then just see how it does the next year because it might be okay the following year. Yes.
11: Yeah. I mean, we've been here three years, so it's not done it yet. And I was like, oh, okay. is that like a disease or is there something eating it? And do I need to cut it off now before it starts eating the rest of it? But no, No. that sounds quite plausible, what you said anyway. So I'll have a scrape.
1: Okay. thank you very much (laughs) indeed. Thank you very
8: much. OK,
1: bye-bye. Let's uh, deal with a couple of these questions here. It's um, pruning. And this is from John. When is the best time to cut back your pear tree? Pear trees.
2: Pear tree you can you can do a, a summer and a, a winter prune. So what on your pear why tree. do you do
1: the difference then? What's the difference between a summer and a winter?
2: Uh well if you do the winter one, the winter really is about the, the formation of it. What the and structure The, sort the structure, of yeah, yeah, and to create the spurs and so on. And a lot of the summer pruning is um is is to actually reduce the vigour. Just the same as you would do on your apple trees, really. Yeah. So,
1: and you in the in the the summer prune, which yeah. is too late to do now, isn't it? It's yeah. A bit late now. You're going into winter, aren't we? But from November onwards, it's really structure. So you're trying to yeah. make the the pear tree, the shape you want, but yeah. don't be too hard because then you'll get lots of soft growth, won't yeah, you? Yeah,
2: you will. You get lots of uh, wispy growth and that you have to um, thin out later and so on. So yeah, you were saying earlier on about a, a tree that you're better off taking a limb out rather yeah. than sort of lots of branches that will encourage um, water shoots, as they're called.
1: Now, what about gooseberries and red currants? Now, red currants are on last year's growth, aren't they? That's so right, just cut, like
2: black currants.
1: So you can cut out your old growth that's had the fruit on it. And again, yeah. it's, it's, do you do that in the winter? I mean, I've always done it in the winter, Yeah, really. you
2: do. Yeah, the winter's fine for that. Your black currants, your red currants. So you see that you've got these structures of um of, of your old shoots that have got the spent berries on them, if you haven't picked them all. And then you've got these young, they look like big hardwood cuttings mm. coming out, and that's your nice new growth that hasn't got any. So so you want to keep these because these will be the ones that will fruit for you next year. So the flower on the previous year's one, and then the older ones, you can cut out any of the really old uh, branches, and because they are not going to flower and fruit as well next year, and that will give the energy to the newer shoots.
1: And what about gooseberries? They're similar, aren't they?
2: Gooseberries, yeah. You could, I mean, uh, you, with the gooseberries, you can you just can leave leave, th- leave them and just cut out thin. Yeah.
1: It's thinning and getting the air yeah. through, so they don't get mildew and yeah. stuff like that. Really, isn't it?
2: So again, it's just cutting out the older branches. But some years uh, you don't have to do it because um, there's there's not enough old shoots as such. And then if it does get congested, leave the younger ones, and you can tell them because they're thinner and they're lighter in colour. And then just take out whole branches of the, the older shirts.
1: Um I'm doing texts at the moment, which coming in on... Um, they're coming in on uh, 81333 with the start of Essex, but you can still give us a call on 0300 240 41. Um, this is... It doesn't say who it's from, this one, but it says, Good morning to you both. Oh, Terry and Averley, it says. Oh, I should have read it better, shouldn't I? Earlier this year, I bought two passive floors One is the type that you see everywhere... The other has stunning flowers and leaves, large and broader leaves. Any idea how to overwinter the latter, please? It's obviously this, I'm a bit worried that the one with the bigger leaves is not a hardier variety.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only, uh, and even then it's, well, they say it's dubious, it certainly is in Scotland, but not down here, is the Passifora carula. That's a commonly found one. And so as long as it's grown in a nice sunny area, it's pretty hardy down round about this area of the country. Whereas all the other ones like Passiflora, Carula, Rubra, sorry, not Carula, but Rubra and, and so on, they really aren't hardy enough. And so you'd have to really, you'd usually see these grown in conservatories mm. or if you've got them outside, you'd have to bring them inside uh, for so protection. So if that's in a
1: container, Terry could bring it inside to protect it through the winter. Yeah. And if not, what? straw the base and hopefully to keep it that way.
2: Wow, so some people actually build structures over yeah. their non-hardy things. So th- so they'll get a framework and they'll put polythene over it just like how you would clad a polythene tunnel and then they'll put structures over um to just uh, comp- over just yeah, them. climbers and so on in the garden to create a, like a little greenhouse over it.
3: So
1: they are um so the sounds like the other one is not as hardy as your first one, so there. Uh Now, don't forget, I've got a line free. I can always fit you in as we can. We do here, you know. We try and fit you in. <laughs> yes, we do. Steve from Chelmsford. Potatoes, we're talking.
12: It is indeed. It, uh, I must say, I've listened to you week in, week out, and this is the first time I've actually call, called you. Nice um, to hear from I'm you. Li- Thank you. Uh, me and my partner's new to all this gardening, uh, gardening lark, but we've become addicted very quickly. Now, we're fortunate enough to have a couple of different vegetable patches in our garden and I was doing ever so well with uh, potatoes until they got what I believe was potato blight. Now, am right. uh, I right to believe that I would have to then plant the next crop of potatoes elsewhere or come out
2: Replant another crop of potatoes in the same plot. Oh uh, well, we've um, at Ritter we've got these vegetable plots with the students and. Uh, we planted the same potatoes in the same area, it's not fantastic actually, you know, you are better to rotate it as you said, but what we did was we actually uh, planted early potatoes, we got some really early potatoes and we planted them, and then if they're going to get blight, you lift them before they're actually really affected so if you want to, um, if you haven't got another area in which to plant I'd recommend planting some early potatoes starting them off early, planting them in and then you can harvest these about June time, and even if they are something to get blight, as I said earlier, um, you're not going to be. It's not going to have travelled down into the tuberative to have affected them. And you might be time. able to grow
1: another crop in that area Afterwards. after you've lifted your potatoes.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Ken? Would you uh, recommend that, or yeah, any other recommendations? And there's
1: some Sapo varieties that you could try, which are supposed to be blight-free. That's worth trying as well, Steve. But well, you can possibly, sorry Sapo. If you just say Sapo, sorry, you'll sorry, see sorry, them in catalogues. Yeah. yeah?
12: But uh, because, uh, because the shame was, when I actually dug these up, I was starting to get some lovely potatoes yeah. underneath as well, you know, and especially because it was a, in a homemade vegetable bed, I was quite pleased about it. So, uh, give it a go with either Sapo or some early, so. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I would do. The
2: other thing you can do, I'm just thinking about it, you can put them in potato bags, yeah. You know if you if you if it, you get it time after time just get some potato bags in the garden and then you can
12: put them in there. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. That's really helpful. Thank you. But
1: if you're doing potato bags, remember you can only put, well, two or three tubers in at the maximum, even one. But it's another way of growing potatoes. But, I mean, it's nice to hear that you've, A, joined us on BBC Essex, and also sounds like many, you know, you're going to enjoy many years with your partner growing vegetables. Who's doing most of the work, her or yourself?
12: Um, me, because we've had a role reversal, because I say I took him to a one-year-old, so I get him out there, and I sat him in Good the bed yesterday, and he loved
1: it. That's excellent. Good to hear, Steve. Keep in touch, and let us know. If you, want, you. Any, if you want any more help, just give us a shout. Yep. Thank
12: you.
1: That's Steve from Chelmsford, uh, a first-time caller there. Nice to hear from Steve there. And we go to Alan in Colchester now. Hello, Alan.
12: How can we Hello, help again. you? Hello,
10: Christine. Hello. Yeah, yeah this this problem I've got, Um, I've transplanted a holly tree which is in the front of my garden uh, to the back and it's yep. a beautiful tree it's now 25, 30 foot high yep. every year i get beautiful berries I'm looking at it now and it's covered in berries now what's happening is, is I'm getting no leaves growing from the stem side it seems to be just growing on the end they've been dropping off internally, you know what I mean?
1: Holly trees will drop a lot of leaf. You, you yeah. haven't got to worry yeah. about them dropping. Um, well, what I'm
10: saying is, the the leaves are very sparse now. They're only on the end of the branches. Normally, good. I do, I do have because it's been
2: problem. dry. Yep. Yeah, so you know you could It's because it's, it, yeah. it's dry. Yeah.
1: You just need. This year has been a terrible year for dryness. This it is much drier than you. You need to. Oh, is it worth soaking it now? Yes, it could be.
2: I'd give it. I yeah. get some. Uh, what you know? Have you got a, an irrigator that you could put on it? Have you got a, a sprayer sort of yeah. thing? Yeah, an I oscillator. Can,
1: I
10: can. It's quite local to be ponds, so I can. Yeah. Uh, mm. I can. I,
1: and you've got lots of berries as well. You say? Yeah,
10: every year, without oh, oil, well, whether it's hot, cold, yeah. or what. Oh, it's I see. Beautiful. So you can't yeah.
1: judge whether it's going to be a cold winter then, no? No, no.
10: I just, <laughs> I just call people liars.
1: OK, then. Now, give it a really good soak and try and encourage it into growth. And that's what you need to do. Give it a, give it a Can boost. Can I
10: use a food of any type? Not this time
1: of no. year, not till spring. So that's really important. So, OK, so uh, let's just talk now quickly to Joan in Westcliff. Hello, Joan. Hello. What Hello. You, Hello. What would you like to talk about?
4: Well, I've got a a bay leaf I use for culinary purposes. Um, It's getting very sparse. It's on my patio. It's in a roughly 12-inch pot, and um, I'm wondering what I can do to revive it somewhat.
2: Now We've got a bay tree that we've got in our patio and it's in a pot as well. And I think sometimes it just runs out of nutrients. Um, Even though they can grow in quite poor soils, they still require some. So um, maybe it needs potting on, but I would wait to do that until the springtime. And even if it doesn't need potting on, maybe it's run out of nutrients. So you might want to get some slow release fertilizer, mix it with a bit of compost, put it over the top uh, of your pot in the springtime again
9: fertiliser sorry uh,
2: like you know the um the, the the granules that you put in your oh, hanging basket yes, I, I, like I, I, I five coat those. and Osmocote. you might want to get some of these and just mix it up that'd help it? yeah it really would help oh right, I, I wouldn't fe- do that now i wouldn't feel no, it now no. no spring in the spring
7: in the springtime
2: oh, maybe a bit of repotting in the springtime too
1: right when's the best time to move agapanthers in the garden preferably not at all i'd say but yeah. when would you do it
2: um, if you want to move it, I would do it in the springtime because otherwise, could, if you did them in the autumn, they could rot off during the, uh, you know, during the the winter period if it was very wet. So springtime would be best.
1: And Jessie said, um, "How much of the bark does she strip off?" No, if that's the lady who rang us and we were talking aces, no, you just scrape it as if it was a potato and just scrape a little bit. Don't just you? a little
2: nick, little you, nick, about the size of your fingernail at the most. <laughs>
1: That's it. Don't do any more. You'll kill it. And you treasured your acer, so don't do that.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks
1: very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website bbc.co.uk slash BBC Essex
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour every Saturday from 11 BBC Essex